Well, those of you that are watching today and those of you that are in the room, I want to share with you something that actually I wrote a book about it and because I really feel like it's the word of the Lord. And I wrote this book. They just released it called The Anointing of Preservation. And uh, I want to look at two things today. And uh, those of you at your homes, uh, make sure that you go out to hankandbrenda.org and you can get a copy. I want to talk about preservation, that God is a God of preservation. Now, you have to understand what preservation means. It means protection. It means that God is keeping you. He's surrounding you. He's holding, you know, on to you. He's causing uh, there to be such, uh, you could say, a shield around about you. And this was always the promise that God gave to individuals, but it's also the promise that he gave to a nation. And so we're going to talk about both of those today. We're going to talk about, you know, personal preservation and how you have a covenant right, but also how God will preserve a nation. How many of you pray for Israel, for example? Well, the Bible tells us to pray for the peace of what? Jerusalem. So God is wanting a certain preservation to be on even Jerusalem where there is a peace. He wants us to pray for Israel and, and he wants us to pray for the nations. But he also wants you to know that part of what God has for you is protection, preservation. Amen? Rescue from harm, danger. That's, that's part of your covenant right. I want you to look at Psalm 37. And we're going to open the scripture up with this. And I want you to be encouraged because as you heard Riley's story, and this is why I wanted to replay it in this service for those of you that are joining us online or those in this room that you didn't see the interview, is because it's easy when you hear stories like what Riley was saying and what Pastor Brenda uh, was interviewing her, that you can start losing hope. You can start thinking, well, what in the world is this world coming to? What in the world is happening to our children, to good common sense, to sanity, and the list goes on and on and on and on. And I often hear it from people. When is this going to end? Is this ever going to, you know, turn out right? Or how come it looks like, Pastor Hank, that the wicked always seem to get by with stuff while the innocent get indicted? The innocent, it seems like, are constantly being accused, accosted, name-called, while the, the, the guilty, the wicked, the evil, nothing ever seems to happen. How many of you have ever heard people say that? But you, we have to understand, when you're dealing with a God of preservation... When you're dealing with God who, he is a God of rightness, righteousness, and justice. He can only, uh, you could say, tolerate things for so long. And it's not that God is always moved by the masses. This is where we miss it, okay? We miss it when we think that it's going to be some kind of big mass movement that is going to literally cause things to be turned around. But if you look at the history of Israel and the nations that came against God's people. It wasn't the masses. It was always a remnant. It was always a small group of people that began to turn the situation around for God to intervene. One man, Moses, changed the destiny of a nation when God wanted to wipe them out in Exodus 32. You can see how the Lord, he will move upon a country. He will move upon a people if we will pray repent, turn from our wicked ways. Amen. And I'm here to tell you, I believe there's enough of the remnant that have done that. Amen. Amen? Amen? All right. So look at Psalm 37. I want you to get some hope here. It says, for the Lord loves judgment. So God loves judgment. It's not that he's a God of doom and gloom. He just lives by something that is his code of conduct. 
It's called honor. You know what it is? Justice. And it's really what we quote sometimes in Luke 18 when we talk about the widow who went up against an unjust judge. It kind of sounds like what we have today in our country and many of the nations. Unjust judges, unjust lawyers, unjust law, uh, unjust legislation. And yet this woman who feared God went up against a judge in Luke 18 who did not regard God, fear God, or watch this, regard man. And this judge was an unjust judge. This judge absolutely stood for injustice. And the Bible says that the woman began to persist. And she began, one person, to persist and cause the judge to change his mind. And the Bible says, shall not the God who is righteous and just hear the cries from his own people who cry night and day? Will he not avenge them speedily from their adversaries? Now watch this. We often quote this, Luke 18, 7. Will not the Son of Man find faith upon the earth when he comes? Okay? Now I think that might be the next verse. But listen, we often think that it's talking about, you know, just faith in itself. You know, having faith, faith for healing, faith. But really, if, it, if you read the verses ahead, and those of you that are watching, it literally is faith in context for injustice. It's having faith that God, who said he's a God of judgment, a God of justice, that he'll do it if we, even one person, will stand for children, stand for when God said male female. This is what marriage looks like. This is what honors me. This is what dishonors me. This is the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And then he begins to go on with the moral law. See, we always talk about, you know, policies and we forget what is God's policies? What is it that the Lord looks for? And so is God going to find faith? And I think this is the key as we enter into an election season. Will God find a persistence and a faith in people that are going to continue to push God for his justice? Come on. Amen? Amen? Amen. Now look at this. For the Lord loves judgment, and, and he does not forsake his people. He doesn't forsake his saints. They are preserved forever and ever and ever. But the seed of the wicked will be cut off. In other words, what is a seed? A seed is something that is planted so that it grows and bears more fruit. There's been a lot of seeds that have been planted in the minds of children, for example, that, you know, they go to school and they're taught uh, things that are totally contrary to our history of even our country. They, they are taught things that sexually exploit them. And seeds have been planted in the minds of this generation. Many of our colleges today are liberal colleges that are teaching liberal um, agendas and ways. And so there's been seed planted. But God has said that he will cut off the seeds of the wicked. I believe that's the hour because of preservation. Now, watch this. The righteous shall inherit the land, and they shall dwell therein forever. I believe that God's not done with this country. I believe he's not done with the earth. If he was, if he was, you wouldn't have seen the Supreme Court overturn Roe versus Wade. What, if it's all just going to be wrapped up, what does it matter at this point? You know, there's not going to be a generation that's going to be born that are going to have a future. So what's the use? 
Why raise up a man who's become one of the most hated people by the left and the in-between and the rhinos in 45 if God didn't have a plan through a man and through a movement to reset the earth? If it was just going to be all over at this time. So you have to look at this. God has preservation on his heart. Okay? Why do you think they lie so much? Why do you think it is that they attack an innocent girl who is in her dressing room or the locker room and having to be subject to a dude with male parts? And then make... Riley and others look like they are the aggressors. You see, this is what I'm talking about. God is trying to tell us they are afraid because the Lord has had enough. And so I want you to see this. Look at Psalm 121. This is the God that you serve. This is the promise of preservation. And you're going to see in this psalm that you have a right for God to protect you, deliver you, rescue you, surround you as with a shield. Come on, Psalm 5, verse 12 says, The Lord blesses, watch this, the righteous man, and surrounds him with a shield of favor. I want to tell you about preservation for a minute. I just thought about that, how the Lord surrounds you with the shield of favor. I remember years ago when I was a youth pastor, we uh, had a, what they called, a, uh, I guess you call it like a, uh, a lock-in, you know, where you have kids that come and they stay uh, overnight. And so we decided to divide the male, the men from the women, the true men, you know, born men from the women. There was no confusion. And Brenda took the, the girls and they went to another location. And I kept the, um, the guys at the church property at the time that I was a youth pastor. And all of a sudden, it was several acres that this church was on. And... Uh, we were out on a football field. They had a football field out there. And all of a sudden, I, I got this weird, strange feeling inside of my heart that something was about to go down, and it was about to be evil. And I, and I remember telling my youth leaders at the time, I said, let's get all of the kids right now into the church building. And he said, well, why? I said, I don't know. Something's wrong. Something's not right. I, I'm, I'm being alerted by the Holy Spirit. Do it now. And one of the guys that was with us was an off-duty police officer. And he said, you got it. And he got all the kids. There's probably 100, 100, 100 boys. And they all went running in. And all of a sudden, just as they were running, there was this loud noise. How many of you ever heard like boom boxes or you can hear cars with that really heavy bass? And you could just hear this bass. And there were cars that were starting to pull in to the church's parking lot. And I'm stuck out in the middle of the football field watching these cars come in, making sure that every child was into the, the church. And I'm stuck out there. And I'm like, oh, oh. All of a sudden, they get out of the car. There was probably over 100 and some gang, um, gang people. And they came with their chains, with their clubs. They had all kinds of weapons with them. And I'm standing there. And they run up this hill and, uh, where I was standing there on the football field. And they began to surround me. And, uh, I, I, and I'm thinking, oh, my God. So all of a sudden, I went... No, I didn't do that. I got surrounded. <laughs> and I did more of this. 
Don't be cruel. My heart is true. <laughs> I shook like Elvis, man. I was like, how old was I, Brenda? Like 25, 26. And I'm standing there, and these guys, man, they got weapons. And I'm surrounded. I'm like, uh, okay, I got all the kids in. And one of the youth leaders was hiding behind a bush. I'm like, this is great. And they surround me in a circle, and this one guy comes out. He was their leader. He comes out. He's got this trench coat, and he pulls out this big steel rod. And he walks up to me. He says something. He says the name of the gang. And I look at him. And all of a sudden, the Don Knotts anointing hit me. <laughs> Listen, Buckaroo, you don't know who you're messing with. No, actually, I'm telling you, the Spirit of God came on me, the anointing of preservation. He walked up and he said something to me, and he pulled out this steel rod. And all I did is I just went like this, and I stuck my finger up in his face. That's all I could do. And I froze. And I went like this. Nothing would come out of my mouth. But boy, my finger and my eyes were just like glaring at him. And all of a sudden, God is my witness. He went like this. And all the guys started backing up. And their eyes got big. And they began to run. And they ran in fear down the hill so much that when the off-duty police officer finally came out, he had his gun up in the air. He's running out. He's watching them running. He's going, what did you do? I said, I don't know. And, and they're, they're in such frantic to leave, they're hitting each other, getting in an accident. Because, and I told him, I said, you could have been here earlier. But, <laughs> so, so here's the thing. They saw the God of preservation. They saw some big old angels. Yeah, they did. And what they saw, they were so scared. These were gang members and leaders with weapons. And no weapon formed against me can prosper. Because of the God of preservation. You understand that? Now, I want you to see your promise. Psalm 121. Look at this. So God begins to declare, and he says, I will lift up my eyes, David speaking, unto the hills from where my help comes from. Where does my help come from? He says, my help comes from the Lord, the God of preservation, the God of protection, which made the heavens and the earth. Now watch this. He will not suffer, this is personal preservation, your foot to be moved. He's not going to cause you to trip. He's not going to cause you to fall. Quit saying you're a klutz because you have a right, no matter how old you are, no matter how brittle your bones are, no matter how severe your injuries have been, no matter how old your physical body is, you don't have to fall. God of preservation preserves you. He said it. This is your right. I am the God and I will make sure that you don't slip. So when you get in your car in the winter and it's snowy outside, you need to look up and say, hello, Father, I'm in this car and I claim the covenant right of preservation. This car is not going to slip or slide. He, now watch this, look, look at the preservation. This is personal preservation. Pastor Christie pointed this out. He keeps you, he that keeps you, he does not sleep. So notice he's talking about you. God does not sleep concerning you. You know, one of the most incredible things that ever had happened to me is 
you know, I was sleeping one day and all of a sudden I just, I just woke up because I heard the sound of the most beautiful male voice I have ever to this day heard in my entire life. And I thought, is somebody leave a radio on? I've never heard a voice like this. And it was so majestic. It was so angelic. It's like the whole room filled with the presence of God. And I was laying there and I said, God, you don't sleep and you don't slumber. What is that beautiful voice? And he said to me, my word declares that I rejoice over my people with singing. And I am singing to you. Do you like it? I said, oh, my, my, my Lord. It was so beautiful. God sang to me. It was, it was one of the most incredible experiences I've ever experienced in my life. And I said to him, I said, God, thank you that you don't sleep. Because, man, I really like it when you come and you speak to me, you visit me. And I really like it when you sing to me. So you have to understand that that's how important you are to God. You say, well, God hasn't sung to, sung to me before. Well, I didn't ask him, but I sure liked it. But maybe you ought to ask him. But you know one thing I always pray is I always pray this. God, I don't, I don't care. They could, they could put all the earth's money in front of me. But if it competes with your heart, I don't want it. I just want God. I want your heart. And, and see, that's the thing that you have to understand is when you make that heart-to-heart connection with God, it even strengthens, strengthens the preservation around you and over you. That's why he said, man, don't touch my prophets. Don't do them any harm. Don't touch my anointed. Well, you're a Christian. You're anointed. And so we belong to God. That's why I don't fear. Listen, I walked out here right before the 2016 election, and I saw two angels that were standing. One was standing right here, and he was standing like this, and he was huge. In fact, his head was up as high as the ceiling. Another one was standing right here, but the biggest one was way up above the ceiling. I could see it. And he had huge wings, and every time I would prophesy, he would come around me, and he'd cover me with these wings. And then when I would uh, say the word of the Lord, he would take the words, and he would somehow, God, I'm trying to explain it. Yeah, he would, he would kind of like thrust it with his wings. And I, I've seen it. I, I've seen the God of preservation. I've seen it. I remember one time, Brent and I, you know, I always pray the blood of Yeshua over our vehicles. And I remember one time we were... We were driving down the street, and this dude pulled right out in front of us. And the next thing I know it, I said, Yeshua, I plead the blood. You remember that, Brenda? And you are my witness. God is listening. I do not know to this day we went like it would be through the car. I have no idea how that happened. That's impossible. Oh, stop it. You already aren't a candidate for preservation because you doubt. If Jesus in Luke 4, when they have a hold on him and they let him out to the brow of the hill, he can pass through them. If Philip the evangelist could be in one place one minute and another place the next minute in a chariot, don't tell me that the God of preservation somehow made it that my car, I don't know, God. I can't wait till I get up into heaven in old age and God says, hey, man, let me show you that video. I'm going to be like, you know, all right, so, so I want you to see this. This is really cool. So watch about the nation now. Look at verse 5. I got to hurry, man. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade, you know, upon your right hand. I, I just like it. He covers you. See, this talks about covering. It talks about preservation. Look, the sun, 
isn't going to smite you by day. In other words, oh, things are getting so heated in our country. See, things are getting heated in my life. Wait a minute. You have a God of preservation. And watch this. Nor the moon by night. What's the moon by night? Come on. What comes out at night? Evil. Evil. Right? Witches. Warlocks. Shapeshifters. Right? Some people in Congress who... You know, walk around the night, you know, <laughs> acting like something different. Yeah. So you have a few of those, right? But the Lord shall preserve you from how much evil? This is what God said. All evil. All evil means all evil. He shall preserve your soul. So you don't have to be in fear anxiety, confusion, worry. You don't have to fret about tomorrow. Jesus said tomorrow is going to be anxious for itself. So in the words of Jesus, take a chill or chill out. The Lord shall preserve your going out. So when you go out of your house, you need to walk with the confidence, Psalm 23, 6, that surely goodness and mercy is following you this day and all the days of your life. When you go out of your house, now, don't be stupid, right? But realize that you got the backing of preservation. And notice what it says, and you're coming in. So everything even in between, I pray that every day over you. I say, God, preserve their coming in, preserve the people's going out, and preserve their in-between God. I pray that over you every day. And watch this. And even from this time and forevermore. Because you have a covenant right. Now look at Psalm 103. So David now, he's saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that's within me, bless his holy name. And I love this part. Forget not his benefits. So I'm going to show you your benefits. How many of you uh, uh, have joined a gym? I'm not saying because I'm questioning as I'm looking at you whether you work out, whether you're part of a gym or not. We're all at different levels, right? Right? Some of us are just a little bit more full of Jesus than you. Right? There you go. So you're trying to get a six-pack gab. I'm just trying to get full of Jesus. <laughs> okay, here we go. Tap your stomach and go, I'm so full of you, Jesus. <laughs> right, no, actually, yeah, there you go. But watch this. He for all the guys like me that are just, you know, the battle of the bulge, we accept that and claim that in Yeshua's name. I told Matt he turned 30, and we, uh, we were, I don't know what we were doing. We were down with Brett Favre. And I said, Matt, and before we met with him. So here we fly in, and we're supposed to have an early dinner with Brett, and we're all hungry, so we just go and throw down food. Matthew orders like six of everything, a shake. I'm like, Matt, Matt, look at me. Look at me. He's like, yes, Dad. I said, son, when you are 30 years of age, everything begins to settle in places that you never knew you had. And gravity begins to touch your life. Right? 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 And everything sinks and sags. And the more you pack in, it's got to have a place to go. So you know what he does? I'll eat to that. <laughs> yeah, sure you will. Come talk to me at no. Matt keeps himself fit. But anyway, I just thought I would point that important mentoring lesson from a dad. All right. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. Now, I want you to look at verse 4. This is powerful. He redeems. This is through Yeshua's blood. He redeems your life from what? Destruction. 
Come on, tragedies, calamities, sicknesses, diseases. Come on. Attacks, carjackings, home invasions, assaults, viruses, and the new variant that is going to come out just in time for the election. Which the CDC, by the way, said, out of their own words, that the vaccination was not effective as herd immunity. Well, they sure did hurt us like a bunch of cattle, right? But here's the thing. They even said that the face diapers didn't work. And now they're trying to bring the face diapers back. I remember, man, I was on one flight. It was like a three-hour flight. And you know how these, you know, you know the airport, uh, air, or what is it, the, the plane police, you know, the stewardesses and the stewards or whatever they call the dudes, flight attendants. This is what they get on. Oh, you better put your face mask on, anybody. It's more like this. Anybody who violates the face mask will be dealt with harshly. We will open the side door during the flight and we will push you out and you are on your own with your oxygen mask, but do not take your mask off. Oh and they look around. We will be serving drinks. And anybody who takes off their face mask without their drinks and their pretzels, you will be harshly dealt with and not allowed to fly again. Right? We are going to alert the pilot. And we have ways of dealing with you when you land. And so I was on this three-hour flight. Matt, you remember this? In the, the sky police patrol they were looking at me because I kept doing this they said put that mask up I went what what she goes I said to put the mask on your face what she comes back I said put the mask on huh <laughs> Oh, sorry. Just a cough. Strange cough. I did. I played with them, man. I'm like, I ain't going for this. So how many else did that? Matt used to do it too. We just, I just like, get out of here. Yeah. So then, so then she hands me my bag of peanuts. I'm like, oh, am I an elephant? And so she hands me the, the peanuts. I pull the mask down and I gave thanks for the blessed peanut that is supposed to preserve everyone in the plane from COVID. Right? Because the science, trust the science. How do you take and pull your mask down and eat the peanut and you are absolutely preserved? No, you don't give COVID. You don't, you don't know. And so I took the peanut and went. She comes flying. What are you doing? I'm tasting the peanut. What are you doing? I, I'm making sure that it, 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 it will agree with my taste buds. She goes, you need to eat it. When I'm ready. Oh, then put the mask on or we're going to ground the plane. No, you said that you can have the mask down if you're eating a peanut. And it's just going to take me a while. Okay, just, just a minute. I have a whole bag to fit. And I have three hours to get these down, you know. 
Oh, she was so stinking mad, fuming at me. But I'm like, come on. Is it not? Don't look at me. You all sat there with your mask on, complying. All right. <laughs> it's so stinking ridiculous. This is why I don't get why they have a job through the media that lies and lies and lies and lies. And you think that we, the American people, are that stupid. You redeem our life from destruction. You crown us with loving kindness and tender mercies. There it is. That word crown in verse 4 is preservation. It means that God surrounds you. He protects you. He guards you. Now, what about the days of Noah? Look at Genesis 7, verse 16. I believe that, you know, many people quote the days of Noah, and they always use it as one of the rapture scriptures, but they don't realize if you're going to use it as a rapture scripture, it really isn't accurate doctrinally, because it was Noah that stayed behind. He wasn't taken. The other ones were taken out. So there's a whole different message. I'll preach on it one day to help kind of think, maybe look at a different way of looking at it. I'm not saying Jesus isn't coming. He's coming. Of course he is. But I just don't think that's a rapture scripture. But here's the point. What I can tell you what Noah's, the days of Noah is about, eating, drinking, giving in marriage, cultures that go weird, cultures that go woke, uh, nations that go evil, people that become insane, Right? And so what the days of Noah is, and, and this is something that I live by. I read a scripture in the book of Genesis chapter 6. And it says literally that the conditions of the earth, that man's heart, watch this, was continually upon evil to the point where they corrupted themselves. Now, this is why, you know, Riley Gaines, thank God she's speaking out. Because what she's speaking out about is people who are corrupting themselves. And if God didn't tolerate it in the days of Noah, the reason he at least has to look at it is that he has to see it through the blood. But it doesn't mean that he, God of the New Testament just ignores it. No, not at all. But watch what God does. The fountains of the deep in Genesis 7 break open, or the deep state breaks open. God deals with the corruption. He deals with the evil. And notice what he does in verse 16. He causes Noah to come into the ark, and he shuts him in. You know what that is? That's preservation. All the crazy stuff. Can you imagine being in a worldwide flood? Can you imagine? But ultimately, what did God do after he brought this shutting in, this preservation? He reset the earth Amen. to the point where when Noah came out, he offered an altar before the Lord, an offering, and God said, the earth is clean. I believe that's what we're seeing. We're going to see a harsh judgment against evil. All right, let's look at the next one. Look at Daniel. And this one is Daniel chapter 6. And this one is about Daniel in the lion's den. Look at verse 22. God, um, the king literally had some decrees, ordinances, all right? mandates, regulations. And Daniel stood up in his day, in his nation, in his country, and he said, I, am, I have no regard for the king's decrees. That's what he said. So the king throws Daniel in jail, says, well, we'll see if God delivers you. And look at what happens. God shut through the angels of the Lord, the anointing of preservation shut 
the lion's mouth, or today shuts the lying media's mouth. If God did it then, I believe he can do it now. I saw this meme the other day on uh, social media. Check this out, because it's amazing when all these, you know, uh, mandatory things, they were using the word, it's mandatory. How many of you, your job, they told you it's mandatory. Yet Congress is in place to bring forth law, correct? There was no congressional federal law or backing. It never even went to the Supreme Court or anything else. It never went to the Senate. Nothing. They just simply use words like man mandatory. They, they, they introduced bills, but where did it really go? It, they use, oh, it's required. You see signs that were on doors. Now, if that's how you want to run your business and that's what you're going to do, fine. But it's not a national uh, law that we all had to wear face diapers. Mandatory, not law. Required, not law. Mandated, not law. Requested, not law. Ordered, just because you're ordering me, it's not law. Ordinances, not law. Decrees, not a law. Compulsory, not a law. And I think it would be wise to get a hold and a copy of that right there because they are going to try. Again, imagine if they can lock everything down and put another scare in and say, well, we got to shut down the election places and everybody needs to do mail-in and they can, you know, manipulate that. Force that. Are, you, are you listening? They're already talking about it. It's amazing how these mysterious viruses, again, a peanut cancels its effect on an airplane, but these mysterious viruses always seem to manifest right around some important election or political figure, like 45. It's amazing. So the Lord shut their mouth. How about this, Daniel 3? There were three Hebrew boys that were thrown into the fiery furnace. And watch this, in Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were thrown into the fiery furnace to the point where the king ordered men, go and turn up the heat seven times hotter on these clowns because these three boys are absolutely domestic terrorists. They refuse to bow. And turn up the heat. But you know what? This is why this ain't over. They can write what they want. They can continue to lie through their teeth. But God, the God of truth, has watched, is watching. And the very fire and the heat that they're trying to turn up against the innocent is going to come back on them. And watch this. Ultimately, the nation will be delivered. The Shadrachs, the Meshach, the Abednegoes who have stood are going to walk out because the fourth man is appearing, Jesus, because remember what happened? They didn't bow. And it says, hey, look, there's somebody else in there. I thought there was just three. But it was like unto the Son of God. God himself showed up. I'm telling you, we are in the hour where God himself is showing up. And they can turn up the heat, but it's going to backfire. And ultimately, we're going to walk out of this harsh season into a season of preservation and rest. I tell you, I see it. Now, let me show you this. Because this is very interesting. You know, I believe that God is the God of preservation. What ultimately preserved Israel? Remember, it was the pillar of cloud by day and it was the fire by night. It was God himself that preserved Israel. Let's look at Exodus chapter 14. Remember what happened? <laughs> 
Israel is on a beach. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They're surrounded, kind of like I was in the story I told you. And ultimately, what did God do? He opened the Red Sea. He caused it to part on the left, part on the right. And watch this. He set a trap, and literally, he brought a nation into the Red Sea by the power of his hand. I think Pharaoh probably thought it was his God that did it. And that's why he was so stupid to go in it. Right? He didn't think that Israel's God did it. He thought his false gods did it. But here's the beauty. God delivered a nation. And you have to look at what was pursuing them. We have been pursued for a long time now by evil spirits that, that disguise themselves to, with socialism. Where the government is in control. The government wants you to depend upon them and trust their science, right? Our Constitution was made so that we, the people, not we, the government, can tell us what our freedoms are. And so what happens is God delivers the nation from socialism of Egypt because they were slaves, Israel. And God opens the Red Sea and puts Egypt in the middle of it, sets a trap, and winds up drowning. And now look at verse 30. This is so powerful. And the Lord preserved or saved Israel that day out of the hands of socialism. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the sea. So now I want to show you a short minute and 30 clip of a prophecy that came. It was June 11th of this year. And I want you to pay attention to this prophecy because you're going to hear one thing in the prophecy that came to pass, but you're going to see that God is absolutely setting traps and that he's preserving this nation, if they could show that. But listen very carefully. There was a pride that was upon Pharaoh and even those of his army. When they looked upon a nation and said, Israel, we shall... <laughs> entrap them we have them we shall enslave them and God says this has been the spirit of those who think through indictments of innocence indictment unto create the narrative that there are things that have gone wrong and have been done that is wrong I speak of 45 says the Lord they think that they have set traps like the Pharaoh thought the day that he pursued after Israel in the Red Sea. What did I do? I caused him in his pride and his army to enter in to the Red Sea to think that he would prevail. But God says it was a trap that was set. And so there are many traps set by the power of my hand, the God of justice, that shall, as they push for indictments, arrests, as they push even for a mugshot, as they push for a bracelet. God says, listen to me. I have set a trap that shall backfire and cause the spirits that have tried to attack this nation to take it over. Socialism is not the future of the generation of the children that shall arise, says the Lord. Amen. Well, you know, this is a, <clears throat> this is a, a picture that I'm going to show you now that, uh, first of all, there was an interview with Tucker with 45 that has hit 275 million views. This picture I'm going to show you is one of the most 
viewed picture. Are you ready? Yep. All right. <laughs> Look at his eyes. Yo, you want a piece of America? Yo, <laughs> go for it. All right. But it just goes to show we also, uh, what's circulating is there's another mugshot circulating on social media. Check this out. <clears throat> I thought maybe so. But I want you to see something to give you hope about the God of preservation. I want them to put up the first meme. This was a prophecy from May uh, 11th of 2023. And this is important that, you, that we read this together because how, how many of you noticed the triple-digit numbers? So God first spoke that it would be a very hot summer, triple-digit back in, in February when we were in Pensacola. But look at what God says so you know that preservation and what we're to do. And so it will be, says the Spirit of God, that men have looked to the climate, and they say climate change. How many of you know they're saying that in Maui? And climate control, but they do not understand that the God of the times and seasons, even of the weather, for I speak now and I say, look closely, for there shall be extreme once again. You say, but God, you've said this before, but it is my season and it is not yours. And I've declared that you are in the season of a great fall. And when I spoke this, many said that it shall surely come in the fall. And they looked to a time that could be calculated by the seasons of your very seasons. But I say that you are in the time now of my season and it is the great fall. It is the fall of kingdoms. It is the fall of kings. It is the fall of leaders. And it is the fall of corruption. It is the fall even in the supreme, yes, upon your supreme court, for I've come to judge the judges of the earth, says the living God, and I will give you judges as the first, and there shall come shakings as things begin to even be more intense. And there will be, watch the sign, temperatures that for a season, which it's been over 40 days in the south, in the hundreds, and it will be as though it would be 103. And they'll say, what is this? And God says, do you not know Psalm 103? Forget not my benefits. And it'll be 106 and 107. And God says, do you not understand that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever? And then they will say, what is this? 105. And God says, do you not know that I led the people out with silver and gold and there was not one feeble as I delivered a nation? And then they will say, what is this that has reached 118? And God says, it is a sign, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is the Lord who comes to save. And I have come to save this nation in this time. Because he's the God of preservation. The temperatures. Well, why is it so hot outside? God already told us. It's a sign. He's come to save. Now, I want us in closing, I want you to look at Psalm 23. We're just going to look at this because we often quote this, but we don't realize that this is a powerful psalm of preservation. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want anything. Why? Because God takes care of you. He's your shepherd. Part of preservation is relax. He's got it. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Notice it wasn't barren woods, deserts. No, green pastures. If you're in a green pasture and you're a sheep, it means you got it cushy. You got it nice. Because the God of preservation will provide. And he will bless you. Jesus said it. 
You talk about the God of preservation, John 10, 10. He says, hey, the devil still kills and destroys, but I, the God of preservation, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I'm going to shed my blood so that you can be redeemed from destruction and your life can be crowned with loving kindness and tender mercy. Notice what he does. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leave me beside still waters. Come on, not rough waters. He restores my soul. You don't have to be in fear. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So God will lead you on the right path. You're not going to miss it. Yeah, though I walk through the image or the appearance that it's all over. It's going to keep being bad. It's never going to get any better. Yet God says, I'm with you. I'm the God of preservation. I fear no evil. God, you're with me. Why? Because your rod and your staff, that's preservation. The rod was to hook you in, right? And also to, here's preservation. The shepherd will use it to beat the wolves, predators, right? That's preservation. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Communion. Come on, the communion meal is preservation. You anoint my head with oil. There's the anointing of preservation. My cup runs over. I'm so blessed in the anointing of preservation. And watch this. Every single day, minute by minute, even Psalm 121, surely goodness and mercy follows me this day and all the days of my life. Stand to your feet. Look at Psalm 91. I'm going to read it very quickly as Pastor Doug comes. Look at preservation. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the wing of the Almighty. Well, if you're under God's wing, that's preservation. I'll say of the Lord, He's my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Come on. Surely He'll deliver me from the snare of the fowler, the noise and pestilence. Preservation. He'll cover me with His feathers. Under His wings shall I trust. What do I trust? Preservation. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. He shall, we'll not, I'll not be afraid for terror by night. I don't have to be scared at night. I'm preserved. My house is preserved. Nor for the arrow that flies by day. I'm preserved. No weapon formed against me can prosper. Nor for pestilence that walks in darkness. Nor for destruction that tries to touch me. It can't because I've been redeemed from destruction. Preservation. Thousands are going to fall at my side because they didn't know about preservation. And ten thousands at my right hand. But it isn't going to touch me. Preservation. Only with my eyes shall we behold and see the reward of the wicked. And because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high my habitation, watch preservation, no evil can befall me, neither can any plague, virus, variant, and new things that they will name it, cannot come near me because I walk in preservation. He will give his big dudes, the angels, and maybe even a few little ones that have power, he will give those angels charge over me. I didn't want to insult any of you smaller angels around me. But anyway, the truth of the matter is, he gives his angels, that's preservation, charge over you to keep you in all your ways. That's preservation. They shall bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against the stone. Preservation. They shall tread upon the lion, the adder, the young lion, the dragon. You shall trample under your feet because he set his love upon you. Therefore, I will deliver him. Preservation. I'll set him on high because he's known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer and I will be with him in trouble. Oh, preservation is going to keep me from trouble. And I'll deliver him and honor him and watch this. And with long life, that's why Jesus died prematurely at 33. He became the sin offering, the curse. So I can live long and strong in preservation. With long life will he satisfy me, my wife, my children, my pets, my family, my church family, e-members, oh, our partners, and even all of our officers. And show forth his salvation. Amen. Praise God. Pastor Doug, take it away.